All right, good singing this morning. Let's go ahead and let the kids be dismissed so they can head back to class. We'll be in John chapter 3 to start this morning. John chapter 3. If you couldn't tell by the songs, and if you didn't see on Facebook yesterday, we're talking about a God of love today, a God of love. So we started our series last week on Who is God? And last week we looked at uh, the living God. Today we're going to look at a God of love. We're going to look at a number of verses today. Um, and so I hope you got your fingers ready or you've got your thumbs ready if you're using an electronic Bible uh, to flip through a lot of verses today. A God of love. Look in John 3. This is obviously one of the most familiar passages or familiar verses in the Bible. In John 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but of everlasting life. Now, I know if, if you've been in church at all as a child, you've heard this verse. Uh, if you've been in church uh, for, for hopefully longer than two or three weeks, you've heard this verse before. And many have memorized this verse. For God so loved the world, and then the rest of the verse tells us how He loved the world, or the actions in which He did to show His love for the world. But today I want us to focus on who is God. He is a God of love. A God of love. We're going to look at four things uh, uh, or different kinds of love that God shows uh, uh, throughout Scripture this morning. Let's pray and then uh, we'll see what, what, uh, what the Lord has for us. God, we do thank you again for the opportunity to come today and to uh, uh, look into your word, to uh, grow from your word. And God, I pray that today as we look into Scripture and, and we read a number of verses, Lord, that we would be reminded or maybe that we would learn and that would be challenged to understand that you are a God of love. And Lord, that because of the love that you've given and shown to us, Lord, may it motivate us, may it challenge us to live better for you. So Lord, I pray for your help today as we look at these passages. I pray that you'd help me to present them clearly and correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we have uh, in John 3.16, again, a very familiar verse. We need to know, I think we do, that God hates sin. Um, I, I'm still praying about uh, all the directions I want to go with this sermon series and which directions we'll go. We may spend a week looking at uh, a God of judgment. Um, I, don't like, I don't like to be a gloom and doom kind of preacher, uh, but, uh, but we may look at that in the weeks to come. But we know that God hates sin. Because God hates sin, God punishes sin, and He does it regularly. But the Bible repeatedly tells us that God loves the world or people. He loves the sinner. Now, you've heard that before. We should hate the sin and love the sinner. God hates sin and He loves sinners. Okay, we've heard that, and, and maybe we believe that. I hope that you do. But it is true that God loves people, but He cannot stand the wickedness that goes on in our lives. Uh, this is no way, the fact that God loves a sinner, no way means that God approves of people's sin. Today's society tells you you're supposed to love everyone. And when they say that, they mean you're supposed to be okay with what everyone does. And that's not what love is. Uh, love is helping people to do right. I believe we see that in the Bible. And so when someone says, well, you're supposed to love that person, and we say, I do love that person, I just don't uh, uh, approve of the life that they're living. 
I can think of many people in my life, friends of mine that I love dearly, but I do not approve of the life that they live. There was a time in my life where I had people who loved me, but they did not approve of the life that I lived. Um, I think of, of pastors, children, uh, many of them, sadly, who you can say, you know that, that, uh, that, that their parents love them to death, but they cannot approve of what they do. As a parent, there are times where my kid does things and, and, uh, and I don't accept what, he, what they do because they're wrong. But I still love my child. It doesn't change uh, the fact that they've done something. Think about <clears throat> something horribly, that you would consider to be horribly wrong. All right, And imagine that your child does that thing. <clears throat> it's not you're going, to, you're going to hurt. You're going to maybe cry. You're going to grieve over the decisions they've made. That doesn't mean you're not going to love them. You're still going to love them. And that's the, the best example I can think of, a parent to a child, as when we look at God and the fact that He loves us even though He, he hates the sin that we commit. But God is truly a God of love. And as a matter of fact, the fact that He still loves me in spite of my sin proves the fact that He is truly a God of love. I want to look at four things again this morning. Number one, I want us to see that, it, that God has a giving love. A giving love. John 3.16, we've read it already, but it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God is a giving, he has a giving love. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son uh, to die for us. Uh, excuse me, He sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. It all is the same thing, but uh, different words. Uh, God loved us so much that He sent, that He gave His Son. He, he, he was a giving. Uh, uh, Galatians 1.4 says, He gave Himself for our sins. God's love is a giving love. If you love someone, you give. You give to them. I think nowadays it becomes so much uh, um, easier to give when someone is in need. Uh, you get online and on Facebook or on other areas and they say, this person's going through this situation. They need help. You can donate here. And boy, you can go on. You can donate a penny. You can donate $1,000, whatever you want. You can donate to help. And it's, just, it's simple, just like that. Um, we had a, a, a friend uh, who was going through a cancer battle, and uh, they had a website called, I think it was Caring Bridge, I think is what it's called, and, and, uh, and the family put up there, or some, a friend of the family put on there, um, you know, the family needs help. You know, we loved that family we gave, we, we gave a little bit, it wasn't a lot, but we gave some to, to help out how we can. When you love people, you give. There are times where you're driving down the road and you see a stranger who has a sign that says, uh, homeless, hungry. Anything will help. Now, I, I've been one who's been very clear on the fact that you can't always trust those signs, but if you show love towards them, you're going to give. I don't give money, but if you have a bottle of water or some food or something like that, that's between you and them and God. But nonetheless, if you love them, if you show them love, you're going to give to them. If you look by and you scowl at them or you yell, get a job, that's not love. You say, well, I gave them advice. Well, no, that doesn't count. Uh, if you love someone, you give. And we have the perfect example of that in God Himself because He loved us so much that He gave. The Bible tells us very clearly He gave of His Son to die for us. 
that anyone who would call upon the Lord, that anyone who believed on His name uh, would have eternal life. He has a giving love. He gave of Himself. Christ did. He gave of His Son. God did. Um, we're gonna, I was going to pull out some other verses, but I want to save those for future uh, sermons in this series. But we can see different areas of life. We'll look at it as God is a provider in the weeks to come. But uh, where God gave more than just His Son, He gave physical needs to people throughout Scripture. Um, we'll look at one of those stories uh, here in, in a few points. Let's move on. Number two, God has a giving love. Number two, God has a, uh, has a sacrificial love. A sacrificial love. John 15, 13. You know this verse? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There is no greater love that anyone can give than to lay down your life for someone else. I think of our military men and women. And uh, people get in the military for different reasons. Uh, I've met all kinds of different military people, and they all have different reasons for why they got into the military. Um, when I was in high school, uh, senior in high school, it was when September 11th happened. And there were a lot of people around my age that got in uh, 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 out of uh, somewhat anger, uh, revenge. We're going to go get some people. Um, there are people who get in for financial reasons. There are people who get in for educational reasons. Uh, different reasons, but no matter why you get into the military, if you're in the military and it comes along where you have to deploy, you're going to show love for me. Um, most of the military people, 99.8% or 9% of the military, they have no idea who I am. But they, uh, many of them have given their life for me. They love me enough to do so. Now you would say, well, they didn't do it for you. And some of them uh, maybe didn't. But, but because of their uh, sacrifice, it did have an effect on me. And no matter their reason for getting in, their sacrifice shows love towards me. God says, Great, greater love hath no man than this. Then a man lay down his life for his friends. Christ gave his life for me. He sacrificed himself for me. Romans 5, 6 uh, says for when we were yet five eight no no five six for when we were yet uh, without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly two verses later in verse eight it says but God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us Christ died knowing who He was dying for Christ died uh, loving the sinner it was a sacrificial love. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave Himself for me. And He gave Himself for you, knowing exactly who it was He was dying for. There was a hymn written back in, I believe, the... Um, I don't remember when it was. It was a long time ago. Uh, by um, Sam Wesley was his name. He's the father of... David Wesley, I believe. But nonetheless, he wrote a hymn called Behold the Savior of Mankind. And this is what it says. Behold the Savior of Mankind, nailed to the shameful tree. How vast the love that him inclined to bleed and die for thee. Hark how he groans while nature shakes and earth's strong pillars bend. The temple's veil in sunder reeds, then uh, the solid marbles rend. This done, the precious ransom's paid. Receive my soul, he cries. See where he bows his sacred head, he bows his head and dies. 
but soon he'll break death's envious chain and in full glory shine. Listen to this last line. O Lamb of God, was ever pain, was ever love like thine. That last phrase points out the fact that Christ went through pain, through suffering, through hurt, through, through, through great agony. But it was because of the greatest love that we've ever had. It was a sacrificial love. God is a God of love. He's a God of a giving love. He is a God of sacrificial love. In Ephesians, let's turn there, Ephesians chapter 5. We see it used as an example in the home. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 5. And we see, look in verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ, who also loved the church and gave himself for it. So he's showing the husbands the kind of love that a husband's supposed to have for their, their wife being sacrificial. He doesn't say love your wife even as, as God uh, uh, loved David and hurt him when he prayed. He doesn't say love your wife as, as God loved uh, uh, Elijah and provided for uh, love your wife as God loved whatever. No, he says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. Sacrificially of himself gave. That's the kind of love that God has for us. Now you would think, um, think throughout your life of who you would be willing to sacrifice, uh, people in your life of who you'd be willing to sacrifice yourself for. Uh, I would do it obviously for any of my family, without a doubt. Um, if the option was given, it's you or your wife, yeah, me. You or your kids, definitely me. Um, there aren't a whole lot of other people in the world that I would say, yeah, take me, honestly. You guys are nice people, but I don't know that I would say, yeah, spare them. Go ahead and kill me. <laughs> um, I like me a lot. <laughs> I like me a little more than I like you guys. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I love my family. I'll give myself for them, no doubt. And, and maybe in the situation I would give myself for you, but I don't know that for sure, and I hope I never have to find out. Who would you give your life for? Think about this for a second. For me, it's a very small circle of people that I would say, yeah, it's okay. Take me instead of them. Well, who did Christ give his life for? It's not a small circle. We look at the love that God has for the world. The, the world encompasses all. Think about the worst people. The people who say, I hate God. That doesn't mean that God hates them. And the people who are the most despicable human beings in this world that we say, I don't know how anyone can love that person. <coughs> I know a guy who's in prison today for things he did to people who, who couldn't defend themselves. And when I hear his name come up, I, I, I almost spit. Um, it, it, it makes my stomach curl just hearing his name. And I think, I don't, I don't love that person. I know I'm supposed to love my enemy, I, I don't. I don't. I don't love him. 
but God does. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be punished. It doesn't mean that he's not going to experience um, what I hope to be excruciating punishment. But to think that God is willing to love the worst of us and give himself for everybody. The Bible says he gave himself for all. The Bible says that he loved the world. It's amazing to see the love that God has as being sacrificial, giving of himself for you no matter how bad you are, giving himself for me no matter how bad I am. God loved me enough to give for me, to sacrifice himself for me. God is a God of love. He has a giving love. He has a sacrificial love. Number three, he has a caring love. I want to look at four examples of a caring love that Christ had, uh, one in each of the Gospels. So we're going to look at it during Christ's life on earth. Look in Matthew chapter 20. Let's start there. Matthew chapter 20. I'm sure you've heard the word compassion before. I heard the best definition for compassion is love in action. When we have compassion on someone, it, it moves us to action. It's love being acted out. Throughout the Gospels, you'll see many times where Christ had compassion on people. And I'm going to look at, again, four examples of that, <coughs> of a caring love. Look in Matthew 20, starting in verse 29. The Bible says, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the way, when they heard Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Verse 34, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Compassion, love in action, caring about someone. Christ was walking, and these two blind men cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. And the crowd goes, Be quiet. Shut your mouth. Hold your peace. And these blind men got louder. Lord, have mercy on us. And the Lord stood still and he looked at them and he asked them, what do you, what do you want from me? Now he said it in a nicer way than that, I'm sure. And they said that our eyes may be open. And the Bible says that, that Jesus had compassion on them and he gave them sight. He cared about two blind men. Think about the, the number of people that Christ spoke with, walked by, saw in his earthly ministry. There are billions of people in the world today. I don't know how many were in the world back then. I don't know how many were lived in the areas that he was in, all that kind of stuff. I know it's a lot of people. Uh, and even in this case, there were multitudes of people around him. Think about the multitudes that were following Christ here, the needs that were represented in that multitude. There had to have been financial needs. There had to have been physical needs because if you have a group of people together, that's what you're going to have. There had to have been sick relatives or there had to have been uh, uh, legal issues represented within that multitude. And maybe Christ took care of those too. We don't, we don't read about that. <coughs> but here we see where Christ saw two blind men who said, Lord, have mercy on me. And he had compassion on them. 
and he let them see. He took away their blindness. Flip over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, another example of the caring love that, that Christ had uh, and has. Mark chapter 6, look in verse... Now let's start in verse uh, 31. It says, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart, talking to his apostles, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For uh, there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They had no time on their hands. They were very busy. So much so they haven't had time to eat. Look in verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out uh, went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came and saw much people, he was moved with compassion toward them, because they were sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Now look at this. The Bible tells us in verse 31 that both Christ and the apostles were exhausted. They had been busy. Have you ever spent so much time with people that you just needed some quiet time? Oh, boy. Uh, you're just like, you know, if I could just get away from the noise for a second. If you have small kids or have had small kids, you know this feeling. Just a moment of silence. Uh, well, I grew up working at, at a church camp, and we would have throughout the summer over 4,000 people come through the church camp. So every week when I was there, it was Sunday through Friday. Um, they've changed it now to Monday through Friday. But nonetheless, uh, um, uh, kids would come for, the, for camp for the week. So we would have anywhere from five to 800 kids there. And, uh, and you know, you're doing activities, and you're doing services, and you're doing different things. And when Saturday came and all the campers were gone and the campground was quiet, there was something so relaxing about just no noise at all. And just that peace that came with it. I don't know if you've ever been to the spot where you've been so busy with people that you've not had time to even eat yourself and, and you're just exhausted, you're just worn out, you're just ready for some, some quiet time. Well, that's where the apostles in Christ were at, and they, they got on a ship and they began to, to leave, and people saw them, and they, they began to come out of the cities. And so when Christ was on land, there was a multitude there. And it says in verse 34 that when, uh, when He came out and saw much people, He was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were a sheep without a shepherd. They had no one to guide them, no one to teach them. No one to show them and tell them about God's love for them. He had compassion on them. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. In verse 35 it says, When the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now uh, the time is, is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, Well, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they, they say, Five and two fishes. So they say, Christ, uh, you know, Lord, the, the, uh, the day, is, the day is, is, is ending. We need to get people out of here. Send them away. Let them buy some food. Uh, they're hungry. They need to eat. And God says, Well, to feed them. They say, well, we, we don't have anything. He wants to go buy 200 pennyworth? He said, well, how many loaves do we have here? We know in, in the other, uh, 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 given to us the other story in the other Gospels that there was a lad there. He had five loaves and two small fishes. 
We know the story. Christ took those and He broke them and, and they passed them out. Everybody ate till they were full and couldn't eat anymore. And there were 12 baskets of leftovers remaining. But it all started with this. Christ came out and He saw a multitude of people and He said, I love these people. They have a need and I'm going to care for that need. What was that need at the moment? It was they were sheep that had no shepherd. And He truly loved them saying, I'm going to shepherd these people. I'm going to guide these people. I'm going to care for these people. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. It's a giving love, a sacrificial love, a caring love. Luke chapter 7. Look in verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went um, into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh into the gate of the city, behold, there was a, a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city uh, was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the, the uh, bier, and they, they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Christ was walking along, and he sees a funeral procession. A young man had died, and his mother was there. She was a widow. She had no husband to take care of her. Now her, her son was dead, the only son that she had. She was obviously very... Uh, broken up about this because when the Christ Christ approached her, he said, "Weep not." Now, I don't know if you've ever met a woman who's lost a child. Typically, you don't say, "Hey, stop crying." <laughs> you get slapped uh, if you say that, and uh, and hopefully, if she's got good friends and family, they they would they would punch you as well. Um, but Christ said, He says, "Weep not." And he stops the funeral procession and he goes over to the young man there and he says, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Just like when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. We're going to look at that next. But he says, arise. And the young man arose. Why did God do that? Now, all the miracles that, that Christ did showed who he was. Well, I believe the purpose behind this miracle here is very simple. In verse 13, he had compassion on her. He saw a woman who didn't have a husband. She didn't have a son now to take care of her. He put his love into action. He cared for her, truly cared for her. And he helped her. Turn with me to John chapter 11. There are many other illustrations given to us throughout the Gospels and throughout the Bible of God's caring love for us. But John chapter 11 and verse 32, this shows... um, Again, Christ's humanity along with Christ's compassion and care. In verse, uh, starting verse 32, John chapter 11, verse 32, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell down at His feet, saying unto Him, Lord, if Thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Lazarus, Christ's friend. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were brothers and sisters. Sisters and a brother. And... And uh, they had sentenced someone to tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Well, the Bible tells us that Christ didn't leave immediately to go. 
A few days later, Christ came, and when he appeared, Mary came and fell down on his feet and said, If thou had been here, my brother had not died. Verse 33, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, in which, uh, in which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. You've probably met people before who can cry on command. They can put on a show for you. Uh, ladies many times know that tears can get them things that smiles cannot. And, uh, and so there, there's, you find out a way kids, babies, know how to use tears to get what they want. Christ wasn't faking here. He saw the hurt. He saw the loss. And he felt compassion and he wept because of his compassion. Verse 36 says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he, Christ, loved him, Lazarus. They saw his love for Lazarus because of his, his physical pain and anguish. He saw, they saw his love for Mary and Martha and the family of Lazarus because of his pain. He truly cared about this. Mary's thought, I believe in verse 32, and this is just opinion, but I believe her thought was, why didn't you come? Did you not care? Because wouldn't that be your thought? We told you he was sick. Why didn't you come? Verse 38, Jesus therefore again, I'm sorry, verse 37, uh, uh, and some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaned himself in himself, cometh to the grave. Uh, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he, is, uh, when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Guess what? Lazarus came forth. And I bet he still stinketh as well. Lazarus came forth. What great joy came. But you see, what we see here in, in the early verses that we read is Jesus' compassion, His love into action, His care for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the family and the friends that were there. God cares. He has a caring love. David many time, uh, times in the Psalms cry, says, I cried unto God in my distress. I cried unto God and He heard me. Why? Because He cares. God has a giving love. He has a sacrificial love. He has a caring love. And then lastly, I want us to see that God has an eternal love. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I don't know about you, but I've lost friends over the years. Just lost contact. Just don't talk anymore. Others that have, for whatever reason, mutually agreed to, to never see each other again. Uh, friendship that yeah, one time you could go to them for anything and you knew they would help. And now you don't even know where they are. Or if you do, it's because of Facebook and that's the only thing you know about them. God's love never ends. God's love never changes. God's love is eternal. Romans chapter 8 and verse 39. The Bible says, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in this world or out of this world that can take God's love from you. God loves you, and He will love you for eternity. John chapter 10, verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There is no safer place for a child than with his parents. And I can tell you that if I'm out somewhere and someone tries to take my kid, I guarantee you, without a shadow of a doubt, it won't work. If I get a hold of my kid's hand, you better know I'm going to hold on as tight as I possibly can. I'm not going to let go. My other hand will be reaching for something else, but uh, that person ain't making it out of the parking lot, I can tell you that. I'm going to do everything within my power to protect my children. God says that once you are saved, no man can pluck you out of His hand. He's got you there. And you cannot be taken out. God says, I've given them eternal life. Eternal means eternal. It means forever. It means everlasting. You can't lose it. Once you have it, God has you in His hand and nothing can take you out of it. It is an eternal Love. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I don't know about you, but I believe the Bible. And when the Word says eternal and everlasting and forever, I believe it to be just that. And God says, you may hate me for eternity, but I will love you for eternity. He says, if you are saved, I will hold you for eternity. Nothing can take you out of my hand. It's an eternal love. Nothing can take you away. There are people, I remember as a, oh goodness, 11-year-old thinking, oh, I love her. Why? Because she was pretty. Um, I love her. I'd do anything for her. I'll buy her ice cream. I'll buy her candy. Whatever she wants, I'll get it for her. She didn't reciprocate the love that I had for her. I have no idea where she is today. I know her name. Uh, outside of that, uh, that's all I know. I don't know where she is. I don't know. She was from Kentucky, of all places. She uh, uh, from from Western Kentucky, but nonetheless, um, it wasn't love. It was like um, I was smart enough at that age to know what beauty was. Um, you know, that's what it was. But you know, I got older, and I met Katie, and and uh, our relationship grew, and and uh, and and it became more than just beauty. Um, that I thought she was pretty, that was a good start. But nonetheless, it grew from there, and it became love. And now there is nothing that can take away my love for my wife. There are things that can can bring hurt. There are things that can change. There are things that can, can definitely uh, affect our relationship, but there's nothing that can take away the love that I have for her. God here says there's nothing that will change the fact that I love you. It's eternal. Why wouldn't it be if God was willing to give His Son and Christ was willing to die because of His love for me, why, why would He change His mind now? 
Who is God? He's a living God. He's a loving God. He's a God that loves. He has a love that is giving. He has a love that is sacrificial. He has a love that is caring. And He has a love that is eternal. Shouldn't that motivate us to love Him back? The Bible says, I I loved Him because He first loved me. It motivates us. It makes it easier, doesn't it? When someone loves you to love them. Um, There have been people that I've tried to love. I can think of some past co-workers. Tried to love them. They didn't love me. It made it kind of hard to love them. Because I look at me, I say, I'm pretty lovable. (laughs) Why don't they love me? You see, with God, I don't have that problem. Because with God, I look at me and I go, am I really lovable? Yet He still loves me. And it ought to motivate me and it ought to motivate you to love Him in return. We show our love through our actions. Um, My wife knows that I love her because of the things that I do for her. And I should do more things for her. She's reminded me of that as well sometimes. But we show people we love them through the, through the things that we do for them. You can say, uh, you know, you hear the, the story of the wedding day where the man says, uh, I love you, and if that ever changes, I'll let you know. He never says, I love you again for the rest of their marriage. Um, you know, it's not smart, needless to say. Um, don't, I don't encourage that. The reality is if we love someone, we, we prove it through the things that we do, through the things that we say, through the actions that we, that we do towards them. If we love someone, we prove it. God has proved it over and over and over again that He loves you. Do you love God? The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You say, I love God, yet you don't obey Him. Uh, you're going to have a hard time proving that you love God. But the good thing is, is that no matter how bad I am, God still loves me. And one of the things, just one of the things that makes God worthy of my worship, makes God worthy of my submissiveness to Him, my obedience to Him, is the fact that He loves me. And He loves you too. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're not going to find anyone who loves you more than God. And I encourage you to seek Him, to study Him, to know who God is so that you can be the person that God wants you to be. Lord, I do thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the instruction that You give us. Lord, I thank You for the information that You give us. Lord, I thank You that You show us throughout Scripture. We only looked at at some verses today. There are many more we could look at that show Your love for us. And Lord, I pray that today we would live in light of the fact that You love us. God, that if we've been living in a way that has not proved our love to You, that that is not a life that has not loved you. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning, that you would challenge our hearts to change. And Lord, that we would love you in return. You've made it easy for us to love you because of how you've loved us. Lord, I pray that today we would truly love you in return. The purpose of these messages is to show uh, us who you are. And God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us 
in, in a fresh light as we look in your, your word for these things. Lord, thank you for giving your son. Lord, thank you for sacrificially giving your life. Lord, thank you for caring, for having compassion on my needs. Lord, on my hurts, my pain and my agony. Lord, thank you for having an eternal love that I can know is always there for me. And Lord, I pray that not only I, but each of us today would be motivated to love you more. Help us to live the life you want us to live. Lord, help us to be the people that you want us to be. Help us to fulfill our responsibility and the life that you've given us. And Lord, that we may love as you have loved us. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's go ahead and get ready for lunch. We do have a visitor with us today. Sam's back as well. Uh, I would love for you guys to stay for lunch if you're able to. We've got plenty of food for everybody. Uh, But nonetheless, let's go ahead and break for lunch. Once everything is set up, uh, we'll pray for the food, and then we will eat. Let's be dismissed.